Hey, Eric Nance here. Uh, welcome to Dark Side of Therapy. Uh, good to see everyone. And I realized tonight I want to do something a little bit different because I've been thinking about this one. I've been in private practice now for about a year. And when I say private practice, I mean solo private practice, meaning I'm doing this pretty much by myself. And as I reflect on what it was like to work for an agency or many agencies, I thought, you know what? I'm going to give the top 10 biggest differences that I've experienced between working for an agency and working in private practice. So again, I do everything myself from the billing to the credentialing to the phone calls to the scheduling, and I'm a therapist too. And before I got into any of this, I don't think I realized what a big job that would actually be. Well, a year later, I realized just how big a job that actually is. So here we go with the top 10 differences. The biggest one, and this is number 10, is I think about work a lot more. When I worked for an agency and I went home that night after eight, 10 hours or whatever, I could get work out of my brain pretty easily. That's a lot tougher now because I keep having to think about different aspects of the practice. When am I going to get paid, for example? You know, when are the checks going to come in? Do I have to contact my CPA? Do I have all my numbers current? This is stuff in an agency you don't have to worry about at all. But in private practice, you have to think about this because you're running a business. Number nine, if you don't show up to your session, you don't get paid. Let me repeat that. If you don't show up to your session, you don't get paid. Working for an agency, you're going to get paid probably bi-weekly. Uh, unless you're on some kind of a, a numbers hit that you have to make to get paid, usually your salary is going to be the same. Private practice isn't like that. I'm only going to get paid for what I bill for. And guess what? If the client's not there, I can't bill for it. So no one shows you can't bill. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but boy, it motivates you to show up. Number eight. You don't have departments like billing or credentialing or support staff because you are those things. So I've learned that I have to manage every single aspect. And the tough part about that is I'd never dealt with insurance before, never billed insurance, never had to do my own insurance credentialing. And so you have to do all those things. When you work for an agency, you have sort of a protection there because they're going to do that for you. If there's a billing issue, they're going to address it. If there's a credentialing issue, they're your first line of defense. In private practice, solo private practice, there is no defense. You have to do every part of that. So number seven, you're going to likely make more money in private practice than you do in an agency. Now, this is me having said this after my first year. And there's a lot of variables here because the more money you make is obviously based on how much you bill. So if you do less billing, you're going to make less money. But again, to the extent that you're billing the same amount of numbers that you did in an agency versus private practice, you're probably going to come out on top. Now, you're going to have other expenses, obviously. You've, you've got to pay for everything, your computer, your internet, your fax service. But what I've learned on my own here is that, yeah, it, it is more money. Number six, you're going to need a CPA. You've got to have somebody that's fantastic with numbers because there is no way I am convinced you can be a therapist, run the practice, and crunch all the numbers that have to be crunched. So my CPA gets the quarterly taxes done, things like that, um, helps me understand how the numbers kind of flow, and introduced me to QuickBooks, which the first time I used QuickBooks, I was absolutely terrified because if you've used QuickBooks, there are categories under categories. I'm not kidding. Every drop-down menu has a sub-menu that has four or five more drop-down categories. And I sat with my CPA. How, how the hell am I going to learn this? Well, luckily, 
there's only four or five boxes I have to know, and then I can defer the rest to my CPA. But you're going to have to get a QuickBooks. You're going to have to have an understanding of your numbers, especially when you label your expenses, because that is on you, because your tax person's not going to know unless you label them. Number five, yeah, you have to buy all your own equipment. So when you work for an agency, you have access to paper, pens, uh, the fax machine, all of these different aspects, or you get to borrow the equipment until you're done working for them. In private practice, you have to buy everything. It's all tax deductible, which is great, but you have to buy these things. And unfortunately, I didn't realize just how needy I was on different items like paper clips and, and stamps. Uh, these little things that when I run out, they're not immediately available, so I have to leave the house to go get them. This is really important stuff. Number four. At an agency, I got paid bi-weekly, which means every two weeks I got a check. Regardless of how much work I did, uh, I was guaranteed a paycheck. So in the billing world of mental health private practice, you don't know when you're going to get paid. But after a while, you start to see the trends of the different insurance companies. So my, quickly, or my, my, my quickest payer pays me in about a week, uh, 10 days sometimes. My slowest payer will not pay me for about a month. So I've come to understand that they pay differently and at different times. The other thing that happens is some of the insurance companies will do direct deposit, which means when they pay you, it goes right into your business checking account. Others will mail you a check. So why this variance exists, I don't know. I haven't figured it out, um, but that's how it works. Number three, um, when I was at an agency, I didn't have to worry about collecting payments from people, co-pays, co-insurance if they got behind on their bill. Now, I had a peer one time say to me though, maybe we should be addressing this because maybe non-payment is a mental health issue by itself that our clients face. And I do agree with that to some extent, but I liked it in an agency that I wouldn't have to be the bill collector. I wouldn't have to you know, go after it so, so toughly um, or, or, or so dramatically, I guess. In private practice, it is completely on you in solo private practice to get the payments from your clients. And if you've never done this, I've never done it, uh, it can be a bit uncomfortable because now I'm really playing a dual role here. I'm playing your therapist, but I'm also the person that says, you need to pay me for the work I'm doing. If it's a deductible, co-pay, co-insurance or whatever. And it is tough because some clients aren't used to that. And I've realized some clients aren't used to paying their bills up front. They're used to being billed, you know, paper trail, whatever. And what I do through my uh, mental health online system is I get a credit card and I collect the payment as soon as my ERA goes through. It's very convenient, but some people aren't used to that. So that has been a, a, a huge change for me, playing the role of uh, I'm going to collect your money now. Number two, private practice... Solo private practice is like having a second job. I didn't think much about that when I decided to go ahead and move into my private practice. But running a business is running a business, whether it's mental health or you build houses, no matter what you do. So you think your day is done when the therapy is over. It's not done. There's always something more to do. And I've realized that I have had to become so much more organized. I have a big whiteboard in my office and I literally have to write down the week. You know, here's what I have to do. You know, do I have to go and talk to my CPA? Do I have to go uh, re record my podcast? Whatever. I, I have to do these things that before did not stand out so much. So if I'm not organized, I'm going to miss something. And I don't want to miss anything. And I especially don't want to miss things that have to do with taxes. So it's really forced me to stay on top of things. No, and, and the first one, or number one, it can be very lonely being on your own. 
And that's something that other colleagues had warned me about. Look, you're not going to like being on your own because you're not going to have the access you would have had before. Working at an agency, you always had colleagues, always. I could stop by somebody's door, by their office, and say, hey, can you help me with this? You have clinical staffings where typically you get together as a team, you staff cases, you talk about just whatever. Uh, difficult clients, difficult things that happen, uh, doesn't matter. In solo private practice, that's kind of gone, and you need to go out and find these people to, to collaborate with. Luckily, I have peers from my former agency that I can collaborate with and talk to, get advice, uh, make sure I'm not doing something stupid, and I really appreciate that. But the loneliness of this journey is kind of staggering because, no, I don't have somebody two doors down now that I can just run to. So for those of you going into private practice, that's something to think about. It's going to be lonely. I really hope you've enjoyed this, and it's been a very personal journey for me this past year. I've enjoyed so much about private practice, but I've, I've smartened up enough, too, to know there's some really difficult things about this, and I'm happy to share my experience with you. You're going to face a lot of the same things, maybe some variance in there, but ultimately, it is a fun ride, and I don't regret it. So if you enjoyed this video, please hit like and please subscribe to us. Uh, as always, I wish you the best and uh, go be a great therapist. Thank you.